Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, my guest is Milana Valmont, the CEO and founder of Kira Network. Kira Network is an interchain exchange protocol that allows users to earn block and fee rewards while staking any digital asset, such as cryptocurrencies, stablecoins, and NFTs. We talked about how she started the project. They raised about $4 million in capital. And we talked about that. We talked about how the mechanic, how the mechanics of the network work, uh, proof of stake details, and a bit of Milana's history, how she got into crypto, her advice for other female founders, uh, and much more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Milana Valmont, CEO of Kira. All right, Milana, excited to chat with you. Uh, thanks for hopping on today. I love what you're working on, Akira. Um, maybe in your own words, can you describe where, when you set out to work on the project a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, what did you want to solve? What did you want to do in the world when you started Kira? So uh, me and uh, my co-founder, Mateusz Kshelek, uh, started Kira a couple of, couple of years ago. And we were both part of the interchain ecosystem. And we shared a vision that there's not going to be a single master chain network that scales infinitely and provides all features you might imagine. But we thought it was more rational to think that in the long term, we'll have thousands of projects interconnecting together, just like in the real world, we see thousands of smaller companies on the internet offering uh, their services r- rather than just like a single website. And we wanted people to utilize 100% of their capital with minimum possible risks involved without fears of liquidation, without fears of market volatility. And we didn't want people to just sit on their assets and we wanted them to utilize their assets and make some uh, you know, passive income from that. So that's basically mm. was the vision for us to create Kira and to um, connect it not just with cryptocurrencies, but connect the real world economies to our network. Yeah, bold. I love it. Uh, so staking probably was just happening at that point. What was that 2018, mm-hmm. 2019? Uh, where, do you remember when you first learned about staking and the concept? what you're working on. Yeah, so I learned about staking um, like mid-2018. Uh, that was actually when I went to DEFCON, I think it was DEFCON 4 conference uh, in Prague. And that's when I've met uh, 
my co-founder Matej in person, like we've knew each other online um, for a couple of years because we were part of this uh, Slack together where we invested in projects. So we've met in Prague um, and he was really involved with the interchain space that like he was the pioneer of Cosmos Network, Polkadot. So he was the one who kind of, um, you know, chilled the <laughs> the proof of stake uh, consensus and the ideology to me and that that's going to be uh, the next consensus that will be powering uh, decentralized applications and networks. So, you know, I think the idea is pretty great. Obviously, it has uh, its own pitfalls, but, you know, I think um, that's where I got really excited about uh, the consensus and that's how we started the idea uh, for Kira. Yeah. And where are you from? Where did you spend your younger years? So I was born in Moscow, Russia. And when I was about 14, I moved to Los Angeles. So I spent about um, like 14 years in America. Then I moved to Europe and, you know, kind of been um, traveling since then. Yeah. And uh, your co-founder and you met uh, for the first time, or you said you were investing together in Slack. What was the... What was that like? Is there like a is this like a big Slack group uh, that people just kind of discuss different projects, or was it part of a company? Uh, yeah, so it was a very interesting place. So um, that's how I got really involved uh, in the space in general. So you know, I was researching uh, cryptocurrencies and how different projects work, and then um, I somehow ended up in this Slack um that um i found online and i was like the only girl there and it had like 700 guys <laughs> so yeah that was, that was like a fun couple of months uh of, of testing if i'm legit or if i'm some kind of a um you know bot <laughs> why just because you're uh, a girl afterwards yeah because nobody believed me that i was first of all a girl second of all that i was legit you know that i'm not trying to scam anyone there yeah. um you know, take, their, take their money or something like that so um yeah it was it was interesting but after a couple of months of like you know testing sort of hazing um things got really great like um you know people saw me for who i am um that i have a corporate background that i'm serious that i'm interested and yeah, it was basically a group of uh, one project, Economy, but uh, in our trading channel, people were talking about other projects that they were investing and we were basically investing together. So that's how I've met uh, online uh, my co-founder. So he's Polish, but uh, he lives in Prague. And then when the conference was happening in 2018, that's when we met in person. And we were already at that time, both um, advisors for a um, decentralized VPN project that we convinced to um, build on instead of Ethereum, we convinced them to build on Cosmos Network because of that uh, ideology, basically of staking. Mm. That, so, did you when you guys got together? Was it the intention of working together from the start? Is that kind of how you kicked it off? So, I was working for another company uh, based in Israel, so we haven't really had the idea that no we'll be we'll be working together so we just met uh as advisors for the project that we're advising and then you know me talking about my current work uh and you know just going to the conference together but after a couple of months of us you know talking more about the interchain space that's when 
you know, we decided to transition into working together. At that time, Matevich was working for uh, another blockchain company. And yeah, after after some times, we just decided to focus uh, on Kira and start building from there. That's awesome. What's your disposition to the uh, the unusual treatment that you got in the Slack channel for being a girl? Was it, do you, do you carry uh, animosity or like frustration uh, mild frustration or, or, or do you feel, uh, that it's unjust or on the flip side, do you look at it as like, it's a superpower and you get extra attention and it's just how you utilize it. I know there's different perspectives. I'm curious mm-hmm. how you view it. Yes. Basically for me, um, I've always tried to find advantages in any situation. So I never positioned myself that, you know, I'm, I'm a victim and this, this is unfair. Mm-hmm. I'm getting hazed, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, like, um, <laughs> like it was, it is what it is, you know, boys will be boys and you just have to understand, you know, people's uh, perspective on when, where they're coming from and kind of see the positives from there. And I can't really, um, say that it was a negative experience. Obviously it had ups and downs, but I think it makes you, you know, stronger person. And, you know, I do have a thick skin. So for me, um, I think, you know, I, I proved myself that I was a valuable asset as well. And I, even to this day, I still have very, um, you know, good relationships with, with people, uh, from Slack. Like we're still very close, uh, with some people there. And I really appreciate that. Mm. Do you, do you carry any advice? Is there anything you would say to a younger woman who w- w- was interested in crypto, wanted to get into it more professionally? Cause it does seem like even, you know, if I think about the broader payments industry, there's much more women in banking or in, mm-hmm. uh, fintech, generally speaking, but crypto seems like there's just me- much higher percentage of men. And that just may be that there's more risk there, right? Men generally socially take on more risk or financially. Mm-hmm. Maybe that it's more technical and men tend to lean towards more technical things. I don't know the answer, but do you, do you have any advice for women wanting to get deeper into crypto? Uh, yeah, so what I've noticed that um, like the problem why women are not um, in crypto that much compared to the other uh, industries like, you know, traditional tech or uh, financial industries is that there is a lot of like exclusivity uh, in crypto. For example, there's a lot of these private telegram groups and um, that are mostly like men. And we have women's group, but they're just so much different. You know, I feel like they're a bit lagging behind on like How so? what's going on oh. it, because they're not exposed to um, the deal flow. They're not exposed to the information. And it just feels very um, general compared to the male group. It's very specific. It's very, you know, like nonstop, like 24-7. Like these people, they spend, you know, some of these people, they spend most of their lives on their computer, like sitting at home, researching things and basically shitposting. And... <laughs> true like yeah it's just how it is and i spent a lot of time doing the same you know like not um not having a life basically outside of that and it just it can get a little bit um like clicky yeah and you know first impression like when you see these groups you can be like oh my god like this is so autistic or 
this is just, you know, super harsh and so on. But again, like I said, you have to just see it for like, what's your goal there and try to have thick skin and try to kind of like play around uh, the situation to your own advantage and, you know, not get too emotional um, over certain things and just be more open-minded and accepting of like, this is just how it is. And, you know, once you feel comfortable there and, you know, you can get a lot of valuable information, meet great people. So I think like most important thing is to be open-minded um, and, you know, just have the idea that, um, you know, you, you can get a lot of positives from, from this situation. And then like once you're in, um, like you'll, you'll feel more comfortable in any, in any group, in any situation like that. Mm, yeah. I believe that. Interesting. It's, it's so hard to, I think for men, it's difficult to, to understand what it's like too, because it's, it's mm -hmm. such a, a different experience dropping into groups, uh, being a woman versus, versus mm -hmm. not. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so on Kira, when you start this, you dive in, you got your co-founder, you met him, you guys are pitching ideas, but the basic idea that you love is using the concept of staking to allow people to mm -hmm. move money into the Kira, is the vision move money into the Kira wallet, uh, move different cryptos in there, and then have staking in the wallet. And behind the scenes, the idea is to take that uh crypto and effectively put it on exchanges to generate yield for people so that they get they gain um in yield over time yeah so basically with kira you don't have to put it on exchanges you don't have to go through any middlemen like that's the beauty of it so it allows users to stake any digital asset so it's not just you know staking our own native token like no you can stake any cryptocurrency you can stake any nft and you can stake even a digitalized version of a real world assets while earning block and fee rewards so users do that while retaining custody of their assets of all time and maintaining full liquidity without going through any middleman they can stake directly on kira um, and that's basically the beauty of it, that the network is secured, not just one, not just with one token, but with multiple assets, uh, crypto assets and world world assets as well. Hmm. So behind the scenes, uh, on the technical side with Kira, do you have to mm -hmm. do anything additional to handle the staking of every different crypto? Cause I could see if you had three, four or five different cryptos, mm -hmm. but if you say, all of them, uh, is there some API that you're integrating into that allows you to do that? Yes. Uh, so there's uh, the protocol that basically transfers the assets uh, into Kira. So how does it work? Because we have a governance um, module. So we have people basically on who's part of our governance who decide which asset will be added to Kira. So how does it work? Is that, for example, you're, you want some NFT uh, to be staked on Kira. So you submit this NFT for governance to review and accept, and then the governance decides, you know, if this asset will bring any value to the network, maybe it will bring like more security to the network, maybe it will bring more people to the network. Uh, so then they approve the asset, they whitelist the asset, and the asset goes through 
the interchain protocol directly into Kira network. Gotcha. Basically, we use either IBC from Cosmos or XAMP from Polkadot. Uh, you, you can say like it's like a bridge um, from one chain coming into Kira. If you own crypto and leave it on the exchange where you bought it, like Coinbase, that is a mistake. We've heard the news lately. Exchanges closed, accounts frozen. We're learning the hard way that crypto on exchanges is not really in your control. So what can you do about it? Well, you can get a crypto wallet and control the crypto yourself. And that's why today's show is sponsored by ZenGo. These guys realize that storing Bitcoin and storing crypto yourself can be difficult. It's risky to keep private keys. They realized this and said there's got to be a better way. So they created a crypto wallet that is fully recoverable. So say goodbye to lost Bitcoins. And the security of this wallet is incredible. It's a hacker's worst nightmare. They use a three-factor authentication, including 3D biometrics, so no one can access your wallet except for you. And Zengo realizes that at different levels of the crypto journey, you have different needs. So they offer 27 support and have real people that are available to contact directly within the app. They have a bunch of different coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tezos, and more, and they have all sorts of NFTs available as well. So now for the first time, you can keep your crypto safe with the same tools that the big guys have used for years. Download Zengo, that's Z-E-N-G-O, and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's $20 back for your first purchase of $200 or more. Use code ATC and check out Zengo. Hmm. Interesting. And what, what do you, how do you feel about the future of staking? So conceptually, staking generates return for people because the money, tell me if this is the way that you would describe it, that the crypto is being, um, it's being liquidated behind the scenes. So if I had a thousand US dollars worth of Bitcoin in the Kira wallet, then Kira is using that that money in the in the wallet as uh liquidity for cosmos so basically allowing other people to borrow that money and then there's a behind the scenes there's a lending exchange or DeFi exchange is that the right is that how you think of it the money in the wallet is being used to lend, lend out and that's what generates they're, well they're, they're not being used um it's basically for example uh you have thousands of bitcoin and you stake uh, this, these Bitcoin on Kira, you stake it to the validator of your choice. Uh, and there's thousands of Bitcoin, it gets locked. Uh, so that's how it secures the network. Like nobody's going to be using it. Uh, this Bitcoin gets locked while the network generates, um, uh, network fees that will be added to the validator that you chose and to you as a delegator. So both of you will be making rewards from your Bitcoin. So usually uh, in majority of state networks, your assets get locked for like three weeks and there's nothing you can do with those assets. Like you lock them and you're earning rewards. That's it. So with Kira, it's a bit different. You lock your assets and uh, you get a one-to-one derivative of that asset that you can trade or stake again. So, you know, you have liquidity of your assets, so you're utilizing your assets better. But in terms of how I see 
traditional proof of stake networks, like my only concern, and from what I've noticed, is the uh, lack of security. For example, the traditional proof of stake security is nothing else than value at stake, which is distributed among many uh, validators. So the more money vouching for the node operating the network, the more trust there can be that they will not commit any faults like collude to create malicious forks and so on. And imagine that, um, you know, you have $10 million in chain secured by only $1 million of stake coin. Uh, you know, then there's more incentive to misbehave, to steal that $10 million because you only have 1 million at stake. So that's where our native customized consensus comes in, which we call multi-bonded proof of stake, is allows you to stake uncapped value and not only Bitcoin and Ethereum or a single token specific project, but also assets that are backed by real value like stable coins and NFTs and real world assets and so on. So effectively, the MBPOS is the POS, but the ability to uh, scale trust like proof of work, for example. And additionally, unlike the typical proof of stake, the MBPOS doesn't lock your tokens. Uh, because like I said, for each one token you stake, you receive equivalent of one-to-one staking derivatives, which you can transfer and use with any DAP of your choice. All right. Uh, so let me try and repeat that a little bit and make sure I have it correctly. Mm-hmm. So this MBPOS, which is the proof of stake, what is MB? Multi-bonded. So it's multi-bonded. like multiple asset bonding. Got it. So the multiple bonded proof of stake that is on Kira doesn't generate yield from allowing it to be traded, but the fact that it's staked using proof of stake. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Where does, when, when I generate 10% on uh, crypto that I have staked in Kira, where does that come from? Is it come from, it's not coming from trading. It's, it's effectively, no. it's coming from moving money around, fees that people pay for moving money around. No, it's coming from network, basically from security. So you're using your money to secure the network, and that's when the network gives you the the fee. Basically, imagine it's like putting money, um, you know, in bank. But in that case, like, you know, uh, we're not using the money. Like the bank is using. Like nobody's touching the money. Like the money is staked. And how you generate rewards is because you're using the money to secure the network. Um, so you delegate your assets to a validator of your choice. They stake it. And that's where you and the validator receive the rewards because you provide security for the network. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense because the network is a proof of stake network is built upon the fact that exactly. the more people staking, the more secure the network is mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the more, I think, diverse assets are, uh, the more, sec- the more secure the network is. Yeah. And the the multiple bond concept is, mm-hmm. wh- what is that? Is that the idea that you can, when I stake, so there's, there's two things, right? It's one is I can stake the currency that I have in there. And then I, if I'm, Any asset. and if I'm, if I'm able to trade that, that's trading, uh, what'd you call it, a certificate or a? It's a d- derivative. Derivative, right. Uh, and can you yeah. trade that outside of Kira? Yes. So basically, you stake your Bitcoin on Kira. Uh, you get 
S BTC, a derivative mm-hmm. uh, that is one to one. So your original Bitcoin is locked, but you get the derivative which you can trade outside of Kira on any other DAP of your choice. Mm. Is that difficult? Was that difficult to build? Do you know? Or well, we're we're still building it. Oh, okay. It's definitely difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So what has to happen there? So if you if you have uh, proof of stake, somebody stakes currency in Kira network, then if you allow people to trade the synthetic or the derivative, you're mm-hmm. issuing a new, is it effectively a new blockchain to record the uh, derivative where you have like a one-to-one representation? No, it's it's the same. It's the same blockchain. It's just the one-to-one derivative that is backed by your original asset. Hmm. Hmm. So, it's, do you th- how do you think of derivatives? Do you think of them as a uh, what would be a word to describe it? A uh, a ticket almost. It's it represents the real mm-hmm. thing, and it's backed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got it. So, at any point, would it include on the derivative the date that you'd be able to uh, pull out the crypto? So, if it's staked for a month. You can- yeah, you can pull out at any time. Oh, okay, got it. Okay. I thought there was yeah. a time commitment. <clears throat> There's no time commitment. So what what else do you think about w- with this? Do you have other other decisions that you have to make or uh, either technical or product decisions? So one of which being that you can have this multiple bonded uh, proof of stake. Mm-hmm. What's the reference to that? What does it mean to be multiple bonded? So that means you can stake multiple assets and not just one. You know how in all uh, proof of stake project right now you have you have a project and you can stake their their token and you make rewards from that. That's it. So on Kira, you stake multiple assets. It doesn't matter what, as long as it's in a digitalized form, you can stake that. So that's where the word multiple mm. that comes from. Mm. Uh, what do you think's next here? So we have this this idea of proof of stake. We have uh, networks that are effectively built upon the trust from people staking their currencies. You pay out, the network pays out yield to people who have money staked. Uh, you can trade synthetic versions or mm. derivatives. What's What else is coming down the pipeline or what, what what's happening now in the, you know, as we, as we move forward? In the future? Yeah. Uh, you mean in the industry in general? Yeah. Like, do you think it'll be... Are we really moving towards, I mean, it feels a little bit complex for the average user is, I wonder if the Mm -hmm. next wave is all about simplicity and and just making this simpler, or if it's more complex, like it's making it so there's multiple derivatives or fractionalization of derivatives, and that'll unlock some big opportunities. Um, Yeah, I don't know if you see. I think it's both. I think it's both. For example, yes, there's going to be uh, different uh, different versions of uh, financial applications uh, and different assets. But I think the key is is to make it simple uh, and you know to to make it as simple as uh, Venmo and whatever is happening on the background. Um, you know that's that's a different story. So I think you know first of all. Uh, we need to have a quantitative, trustable, and secured 
network, uh, which involves securing the network and decentralization of the governance, which I think right now, um, you know, there's lack of. And also have the ability to have your own custody over your assets and the decisions. You don't have to go through a million different steps um, and risk your capital in order to generate passive income and get again simplicity and security. And then I think it's in- extremely important to be legally compliant, but not in a way that it will disinter like change um, to the user. Um, you know. There's not going to be any any downfall for the user, and I think the next stage for DApp development is the the layer two scaling solutions will definitely bring you know the breath of fresh air. I think uh, responsiveness, like low low fees, accessibility, user friendliness to the crypto ecosystem, so more people can use it without being intimidated, and all that while remaining. Uh, you know, without a centralized middleman and gatekeeper who decides who can access the financial products and who cannot. Mm. Uh, one, of, one of your favorite tweets, or one of my favorite tweets of yours was the uh, uh, <laughs> the Ethereum one where I sent $100 and paid $100 in gas fees and Ethereum is the future. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, got, I got so much drama. Why? Why, do people, just, why are people hating on you for that? Oh my God, because... Um, you know, like sometimes, well, a lot of times in certain ideologies in crypto and certain, uh, projects, like people are like diehard fans and, you know, it's kind of like, uh, becomes like an echo chamber and they're very sensitive to things like that. And I just didn't expect to, you know, for people to, for some people to be so sensitive. Some people were just like laughing, um, about it and, you know, like it is accurate, uh, but some people are like, no, I just checked. It's not true. And, um, you know, just being like very, very, uh, black and white and close minded. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it, it was meant to be funny and it is, it yeah, is. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it points at a truth, which is the gas fees on Ethereum are insane. It's like that. Yeah. If you're defensive yeah. about that, then you're crazy. It's like, well, it just, it is what it is. Uh, it certainly goes up and down. Do you uh, do you use Twitter nowadays, or do you read it and not post, or do you use another social network to stay up? Yeah, I I, I use I, I read Twitter. Uh, I haven't posted in a while because right now, you know, we're focusing on the development, and once we have uh, things coming in, you know, I will be posting more based on whatever we're um, unveiling for Kira. Yeah. Uh, Is there other social networks you use to to use Discord or Telegram more actively or more TikTok? Oh, yeah. I use use Telegram all the time. Basically, I'm always on Telegram. I use Discord sometimes and then Twitter. Mm. Have you seen TikTok or Instagram be used for crypto stuff or not as much? (laughs) Yes. Really? I've seen Instagram used a while ago, um, like 2017, 18. I think now maybe some people still use it. But, you know, in 2021, I have seen uh, people using TikTok and generating videos, either like dancing videos yeah. or, um, you know, just a video talking about the project. Yeah, I, I've seen that a lot. And some people are asking me, like, if we have TikTok. And I'm like, no, we don't. <laughs> why not do it? Yeah, like, why not do it? But, you know, we need to make sure that... Um, 
it's fun, but also informative. So there's, you know, there's like a fine line between that. I don't want it to be, uh, you know, too, too generic. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how, um, you know, things are, things are changing and people utilizing all kinds of uh, social networks for promoting their projects. Yeah. I find that those social platforms, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, uh, or medium or whatever, it's, it's like the payoff is in the consistency. So it's like, yeah, let Milana, let's spin up, let's open up TikTok right out, make a video. But then what are you going to do tomorrow, the next day and the next day? And having a, like building an audience professionally just takes consistency. And so it takes time oh, yeah. and attention, which, you know, comes at a cost of other things that you could be doing. Yeah, definitely. For, for example, with Instagram, because the, you know, the algorithm, they're so spoiled uh, and so saturated now, you just need to do like so much more in order to be seen by people in order to, you know, gain that audience. Like it's so much different compared to how it was like seven years ago. It's crazy. Mm. Do you uh, follow certain people or read or read or how do you stay up on what is happening? Is that through Twitter primarily or through Telegram or Discord? Yeah. That's through Twitter and Telegram because, you know, like I, like I've mentioned, I am part of, um, certain groups on Telegram. They're constantly posting, you know, latest news of projects, latest news and, uh, politics and mm. economics. So yeah, like I'm, I'm always staying up to date there. And like we have a discussion around certain things as well. Yeah. When, when you guys launched the project, um, I did, how did you spin out the token itself? I mean, where, when you think about starting a building a blockchain, what would be like the checkpoints that you go through? Is there a uh, tool that you would use to create the the blockchain? Or like nowadays, what are, if you're going to say you and I get together, we spin up a new blockchain with a new idea. Um, is it really mm -hmm. programming from zero with, you know, just a conceptual idea of what we're doing differently? or it yeah. depends. Um, it depends if you're creating your own blockchain or if you're just building a project based on another blockchain. So if you're, you know, building a protocol on another blockchain, then it's a, it's a different story. Like you already have the rails, you know, built for you, and you're just like putting your train on top of them, basically. But if you're starting from scratch and you're building your own blockchain, like like we do, then yeah, it's a totally different story. Obviously, you will be able to borrow and use some sort of um, tools from from previous um, blockchains that you uh, you know find appealing, and you know you can kind of like mix and match. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's it's very starting from the bottom. And like with us, it's even it's even more complicated because we're using our own consensus. So it's like our own blockchain and our own consensus. So it really depends on, you know, what you're building. Yeah. So before doing this, you were working at a company called Knox, I think it was, I hate to pronounce yeah. it. Uh, what was that experience like? What were you doing there? And wh what did the company do? Uh, so basically the, the company was a trading, trading platform, uh, which, uh, allowed users to trade on like tips and sentiment. And the person basically, you can say the trader, the influencer who would get the most, uh, valuable tips, they would have rewards from that as well. So it's like a rating platform on trading. 
So you can kind of see it as a uh, eToro, but based on blockchain and crypto uh, mechanics. And I started off as a um, community community management there and then kind of transitioned into um, strategy executive. So the company was based in Israel and that's that was in 2018 and I've worked there for almost a year. Um, so yeah, that was basically the last uh, the last project that I worked with before transitioning into Kira. Yeah. And you were at Binance before, is that right? As a intern? Yeah. So with Binance, um, I was a community volunteer. So that was in 2017 when Binance was still based in Japan. Uh, and they were like very small. Nobody, nobody really knew like what, uh, what Binance was. And basically like I was part of their Slack because one of the guys that I knew from my other Slack, he joined, uh, as a business development and, you know, he kind of asked me if I want to gain some experience and become a community volunteer. So I was like, yeah, of course. Great. Because, you know, back then I was like, yes, let me learn mm. <laughs> everything. Let me be involved in everything. So I was very eager. Um, so basically I helped them with their telegram community management and also some social media stuff like Instagram and VK page. Um, and yeah, basically after that, I, I got involved into another project full time. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting experience. And now like remembering this, how different they were back then. And now it's like, you know, the biggest exchange, uh, for crypto and it's like this huge and so many people work there. It's amazing. Yeah. How different Binance is from then and now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and were you, I mean, were you interested in crypto straight out of school or did you have another like career life and transition into yeah i had another for your life so <laughs> unfortunately but um yeah i think um you know i went to i finished university in new york i studied finance and economics so after i graduated i started working as an analyst in a private equity firm so i thought you know my path my career path will be pretty you know generic based on new york um you know standards just like everyone did you, you become an analyst for two years then you go back to business school and then you join uh you know another company as an associate and then you climb up the ladder of a financial career so i thought that was that was the plan uh but i always felt like um you know what exactly are we doing here i felt kind of lacked meaning uh of the things that i was doing you know constantly being at the office and working on excel models and powerpoint presentations that like most of the time were kind of irrelevant like like we were just not used them but we had to make sure they're like perfect uh you know for the presentation for the client and you know not being able to uh have more autonomy and you know kind of freedom so then I stumbled upon uh, blockchain and, and crypto in general in early 2017 through a friend who worked in cybersecurity and he just started telling me about Bitcoin Ethereum. Uh, so he was, he was a trader, um, you know, on his free time. And I get really interesting in learning more about uh, that concept and I started reading more. And then that's how I ended up in the group. And, you know, I was still investing while working full time. Uh, as an analyst. And then I think like 
seven months later, I left the corporate job and started working full time on a, a blockchain project. So that was like a huge risk. For yeah. Because, you know, I, I thought, okay, like I will have the certain career path and then I'm going into this startup basically that anything can happen uh, and I can just lose my job and, you know, not have any, um, you know, financial stability. But I do like to take risks. Um, so it worked out really well. But yeah, it was definitely very risky and very up and down. But, you know, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Would it, what about friends of yours that you're working with or colleagues or family members? They feel like, did they give you advice at the time that, hey, the, Milana, this is crazy. You're making a big mistake. You're throwing <laughs> all, all this away. Uh, did you feel that resistance at the time? Yeah, I, I, I felt that resistance, not from my friends, because, um, you know, my friends always know that if I'm doing something, I know better. But from my parents, definitely. Uh, especially, you know, when I, you know, tell my mother that uh, I'm transitioning into blockchain and I'm going to work for the startup and I'm leaving New York, I'm moving to Rome just because, um, <laughs> because, you know, I was working from my computer. So I thought, Okay, like now's the time, Rome, huh? you know, where I can, I can just go. Yeah. Why <laughs> Rome? I Rome. feel like Rome's the most romantic city I can think of. But was there a. <laughs> yeah. And people were asking me, like, do you have anyone in Rome? Do you know anyone? I said, no. And they asked me, then why are you going there? Because it's, it's Rome. Like, it's, it's beautiful. And I just wanted to, you know, f- experience that. After Rome, I moved to Paris. How, so it's like, how long are you in Rome? Same thing. Uh, for two and a half months. Oh, two and a half months. Okay. Okay. And then to Paris? Yeah. So I kind of like roamed around uh, Europe and Asia. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. (laughs) yeah so my my parents (laughs) yeah so my parents were definitely not very happy you know because they like especially my mom like she just wants stability and security uh for me and i understand that um she's in russia yeah like she was was, no she lives in los angeles yeah i mean is that kind of the would you say that's a common like the immigrant mentality is is leave, go to a place that you think is going to be better, work really hard and try to get to stability is try to get to stability is the mindset. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like if I listened to my mom, I would probably be a registered nurse. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the, that's, that's her mentality. And like, you know, it's okay. But for me, like it's totally uh, the opposite. And yeah, like she was very um, worried about that, especially when I left, um, you know, the full-time job working for the projects and started my own. And it's not like it was a overnight success, right? Like we raised money and things are just moving fast. No, like it took a while, like we were in the middle of bear market and, you know, it took a while for us to like gather everything, to make everything uh, organize and to understand like exactly, uh, how we want to optimize this. And 
yeah, like it took some time and sometimes myself, I was thinking, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, what if this is not going to work out? Uh, but I just, yeah, keep going. There was no other way. So I had to keep going and push through and, you know, I'm glad I did. Like, I'm not going to, you know, um, like just just leave it and yeah like to be honest it was very difficult at times and i was questioning a lot of things uh but now you know remembering all these struggles and ups and downs like it's it's great experience for sure was there a particularly difficult moment in the business early on that caused you to really reflect on the direction or think about leaving or- yeah so Definitely not think about leaving, but you know, it was, it was very hard to raise capital at that time. And when we did, like, I see a lot of projects that raise uh, money from certain VCs or investors. They get kind of um, nurtured by them and there's a lot of hand holding. And, you know, like even my current advisors who work on other projects as well, they started with them from like, from zero and they helped them a lot with us. It was very different. Like we had to do everything ourselves and then, you know, people came on board and invested, but nobody like held my hand and like walked me through the entire path. I had to do, I had to learn everything on my own. And I remember when we raised money, I felt so much responsibility. Like now this is real. Like now I have to, you know, launch the the marketing campaign uh to raise money for public and then launch uh the test net the liquidity program and then the main net and like do all of those things and in the beginning like it was like how am i going to do that like i need i need this and this and this and like it's all up to me and nobody's helping us but then i just learned quickly on my feet and now i feel like i'm in this you know seasoned uh, ceo yeah yeah <laughs> that it's not emotional anymore because in the beginning I was just like, obviously more emotional about certain things. Like I would get uh, a certain um, pitfalls really, you know, bring me down and make me feel bad. And then I was being unreasonable with deadlines and I was like pushing people and being so stressed out that we, you know, would be delayed by like day one. And now I just realized that it's impossible to control everything. Um, because things get delayed because it's like a huge mechanism and, you know, we're not building some, you know, simple protocol on Ethereum. Like we're building an entire ecosystem from scratch and everyone is connected through this like symbiotic, um, you know, project and things get delayed. And sometimes, you know, people get unhappy and you cannot make everyone happy. It's just impossible. So, you know, now I, uh, you know, take things uh, and view things differently for a sure. A little lighter. Sounds like, yeah. 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 You can't make people, you can, you can ask people to work harder for a short period of time, but you can't step on the gas too long. Otherwise people revolt or leave or get frustrated. Uh, yeah. yeah and I, I felt I was burning up, burning out. Like I remember, uh, you know, when, when the, the token launch, when we launched the liquidity program and started to test that, like I barely slept, we're doing like all these AMAs and I was just running on dopamine all the time. And like, yeah, it, it was crazy. And then it definitely, um, uh, takes its, its toll on you. So now things are a bit different. Was that, 
was doing all those AMAs or what were you doing at the time? Were you, you certainly there's like some products you're interacting with the engineers who are scoping out what they're building. Uh, then you're doing AMAs on Telegram or YouTube somewhere. How did that yeah. building? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did various AMAs on YouTube, on also WeChat and various uh, Asian platforms and on Telegram. So we we did like this whole like world tour mm. of AMAs, and to be honest, uh, it was very difficult. Not because there was like difficult questions there, but because majority of AMAs, I feel like they're they exist for the wrong reasons. Mm. Uh, you know, it's for people who organize them to make, um, you know, to make some. Uh, maybe either to make some money or to create like more activity on their own channel. But it didn't really bring uh, that much value. And the questions were repetitive and people asked these questions because they were getting paid from the organizer of the AMA. So, yeah. you know, when, when they ask us the same question, it's like repetitive you just become kind of like brain dead yeah, <laughs> repeating the same thing over and over and you just don't think anymore. And yeah, like I remember like it was very difficult. I felt drained afterwards and we had certain AMAs that were completely different. Like the questions were original. They were not, uh, you know, generated from this like spam of people asking questions because they're getting paid, but they were generated by, the organizer themselves and you know the the audience was just listening and the questions they were very uh deep and very involved so i like those uh because it felt um yeah like it, yeah. it felt different it felt like we had to we had to really talk about our project yeah and like it matters um so yeah like there's a different you know sides to it for sure in ama ask me anything is usually the format is that you're on some platform and you're live and you're on video for the most part. Is that right? And you're being prompted with questions. It's, it's both. Hmm. Yeah, it's both. It can be video. It can be just text. Um, yeah. Like some formats is organizers ask a couple of questions. Then they let the, um, the audio, they, they basically unlock the audience to ask questions. And then you see like, thousands of questions like spam into the group and then they stop and then you just choose like 10 or something to answer those uh, it really depends but the video ones who are you know part of either uh, an influencer or some kind of an online conference yeah like they were completely different like, like they ask you uh, questions themselves and you have the ability to you know, really talk about what you're building. So I like those. Yeah. And the incentives there are you're going on to some other community's channel. Is that usually mm -hmm. what it is? You're going on another community's yeah. channel and then the host there invites you in, uh, like you said, reads you questions or you get prompted questions from the audience. And it's to kind of boost awareness on their mm -hmm. channel. Uh, they get, you know, the benefit of content from you and their users come presumably to their channel more or engage more and then benefit on your side as you talk about your project. Uh, those are paid, generally speaking, by, is it that you would pay the organizer to be on the channel or vice versa? Or how does the incentives usually work? It, it depends. Like, I feel like the ones that bring the most value, they're not paid mm -hmm. um, at all. 
uh, basically it's because the the organizer is interested, you know, in having you in their channel or on their YouTube channel and you talking about the project. And usually the audience, those going to be the ones that will actually, they're there to learn about the project. They're not there because they're going to get a bounty of hundred dollars, you know, uh, they're there to learn about the project. And if they're interested, they will follow us into our community and they will, you know, become part of the project. And there's other AMA channels that are huge. And I feel like they have a lot of people who are just the, the bounty hunters, you know, who go from like AMA channel to AMA channel, just hunting like hundred dollars and just asking questions. And they don't care which project yeah. is that they probably have like five AMAs per day. They're not going to go to our channel and who, you know, do anything. Who pays them? The organizer of the channel pays them to ask a question? Yeah, so the organizer of the channel asked them, uh, pays them to ask the question. That seems... And then they choose, like, whoever we choose to, you know, to be the question, then the little congratulations, you know, you're getting paid because you were chosen. So will they just pay, will they pay the winner? Uh, so whoever gets selected, whoever's question gets selected is usually how it works? Mm-hmm. Or will they pay yeah. everyone to ask? Yeah, so it's like a lottery effect. Huh. They don't pay everyone. Yeah. They have like a lot. So they say, <laughs> ask a question. So you're, at, you're asking a ton of questions, hoping your question gets picked. If it gets picked, you get money. So they're incentivizing people to ask questions, obviously. And people asking questions. Yes. Here would be the here would be the cycle that would just like uh, drain me. So if you, you pay, you say, okay, I want my project to be known by more people. I'll pay money. So I'll pay I don't know how much, what does the average project pay to be on a good AMA channel? Would you say? It depends. Like sometimes, like, like I said, you don't pay anything. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes you do. Um, so it really depends. Some of that is like over a thousand dollars, but majority of good, uh, majority of AMAs, they're, they're free. Yeah. Basically. So say, say you need to be connected. Yeah. Uh, what would be a tragedy is if a project pays to be on an AMA, the AMA uses that money to incentivize people to ask questions and those people get paid questions disappear. They don't even, they don't care about the answers. So it's like this, it's like this chat room with, with no one actually is doing anything productive. (laughs) Uh, somehow that makes me laugh. Exactly. (laughs) I would, I would get people. I would get people message me like, "Can you please choose my question?" <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, so they get paid. <laughs> w- w- what other shenanigans? You were a community manager. Were there other um, things you saw that just make you laugh or cry? Depending on how, I mean, certainly there's overt scams, like people saying, "Sign up for my Elon Musk uh, Bitcoin drop." You go to the website and then you know, send like a dollar mm-hmm. to be entered into the lottery. Those are pretty dumb. Are, are there things that you've seen that are like, like almost like two parasites in the, in the industry? Like people, ship posting is one thing, but ship posting, you don't really get anything for it. You just express yourself and that's it. Are there things that, uh, mm-hmm. are there other games in the community building, community building world for crypto mm-hmm. now? Like, what are people doing? You mean to build a community? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, like there, there's definitely, there's definitely certain tools, um, like people love like giveaways and airdrops. So that's how, you know, you can, you can optimize your marketing tools and you get people to join your channel. But again, it's like, you have to think about why, why are they joining the channel? Uh, you know, they'll, they'll get the airdrop and then they'll just like, that's it, disappear. So you kind of have to make sure that, um, you know, you do it in the way that will kind of hook them. And, um, it's not just going to be like, here's free money. And then they just like, don't care again, bounty hunters who like do this kind of stuff full time. Um, so yeah, I like to, for example, like we're planning to launch our NFT campaign, which, you know, people can use to earn our native token, but it's not like some, you know, uh, just mindless giveaway. It's, you know, you need to perform certain tasks in order to win the NFTs. And then you need to, or you need to have already our token, which you can stake to get the NFTs or vice versa. So it's like a bit more engaging um, and lets the user, you know, be engaged more in the project, yet it's still a giveaway certain. Um so I think that's beneficial. We also, I remember like when we were launching the uh, the token, like we also created different fun challenges, like, you know, who can make a Kira song hmm. uh, or who can make an explainer video. And we actually had really good ones. Like I had a, like a professional rap song made. No way. <laughs> still listen to, to the You guys sent me that. Yeah, like it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really fun. Yeah, people would actually go out of their way, and it was great. We also created like a security challenge for people who are more, uh, you know, into tech and security. Also, you know, giving them um, rewards for that. So, you know, you can do all kinds of things. Uh, in terms of the parasites, I see from from our own experience with with Kira community, I see people creating, uh, you know, fake accounts like with my name. Uh, and then like messaging people or like fake accounts with like other members of the team and messaging people trying to scam them or creating like fake Kira groups. And like, I've seen some groups that have a lot of users and they're just, you know, asking them to, you know, submit um, certain information that will compromise them um, and like transfer the money into their wallets. And it's just insane. I remember the, the worst one is um, somebody, some group was, selling my photos as nfts and then basically like you buy the photo nft and you get uh our token wow <laughs> just, just totally ridiculous it's hilarious yeah i was like what milana you're like a you're like a crypto <laughs> celebrity <laughs> <laughs> people selling your photos yeah, for NFTs. it, it was <laughs> It was really hey, that's the benefit of being in. I was upset about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in a way, you got to be flattered, though. You're like, well, people are that people are that honored to uh, create NFTs for my. You know, it, it reminds me. This is like a, a strange spinoff, but there was a friend of mine who lived in Washington D.C. I was in L.A. I think at the same time period that you were, and um, I was dating. I was dating at the time, and I was on Tinder. Mm-hmm. And somebody, somebody was like, Hey, are, were you in Washington DC? And I was like, no, no, why? Somebody had taken my picture and uploaded it as like a fake account in Tinder and like use that to, and I was wow. like, what the, what, what are people going to do with that? What are you going to meet somebody at a coffee shop? And like, 
I don't know. It just seems so strange. But I guess that happens too. People, you know, faking identity on every platform they possibly can mm-hmm. for who knows, yeah. whatever reason. People have nothing better to do, I guess. Um, what, what projects do you look up to the most? Wh- which projects do you find inspiration from or, or, or other founders, other people running different projects? Um, I really like Cosmos Network and, and Polkadot, um, you know, because, you know, Kira relates to the whole ideology of interchain of all chains connected together into, you know, one space. And yeah, there's a lot of projects are building on Cosmos, Cosmos Network right now, and um, it's gaining a lot of tractions. Uh, in terms of Polkadot, it's it's very similar. Um, they have uh, different different parachains built on on Polkadot, and you know, of course, their team is like top notch. Uh, you know, founder Polkadot, uh, Gavin Wood. Uh, he was a CTO, yeah, of of uh, Ethereum. So you know, he's definitely very experienced um, and you know, not knowledgeable founder. So it's definitely interesting to to watch their progress and. You know, these are the projects that we aspire yeah, to. Yeah, that's great. And are you, uh, you're on Twitter at, where are, you, where are you at on Twitter? What's your Twitter name or handle? Milana Valmont. Oh, full name. And are you, anywhere else you're online that you wanted to throw out there uh, on Medium or anywhere else that you uh, stay active? Yeah, I am, I am on Medium too. So basically the... You know the the articles that we post for for Kira, um, like we we use either like through my account or through the uh, the CTO's account. So I think let me see. I think it's the same. Belmont Medium. Let's see. Yeah, it's Milana. Uh, yeah, it's Milana Valmont, nice. basically. Um, and Kira dot network k i r a dot network is the domain. Love it. Milana. Yeah. And then through that, you can find everything else and all of that. Yeah. Definitely encourage people to check it out. Congrats on all the progress with everything. What a cool project. Sounds like you've been through the full experience of starting a crypto company. So congrats on making all those moves and making it happen. I wish you the best of luck with everything. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. It was great being here. Bye, Milana. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.